How's everybody doing today? I'm sorry, that is one of the coolest sermon intros I've ever heard in my life. Makes me want to dance before I get up there. Well, welcome. So good to see all you guys. Those of you joining us online, welcome. So glad that we can still come together around the Word of God today. My name is Donovan Smith. I'm out of breath because I ran up here. Sorry. I'm the worship pastor here at Center Point Church. I am bringing you the Word of God today, and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to read the scriptures together. It's going to be good. So, we can, are continuing on in our sermon series uh, called Headlines. Have you guys been enjoying this series so far? It's been a blessing. It's been such a blessing to just kind of take a pause from the headlines that we're seeing in, in the news. Maybe some of us haven't taken a pause, but still, it's been awesome to really gather around what the Word of God is saying what the scriptures are speaking, what Jesus has spoken to us. So we are going to take a minute to analyze this headline. It's Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Pretty, pretty extraordinary, right? And so we all, we, a lot of us know the stories when Jesus takes five loaves of bread and a couple of fish and he multiplies it to feed thousands of people. Pretty extraordinary, right? Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. <laughs> extraordinary. For some of us, maybe sounds a little too extraordinary. Right? Sounds a little too good to be true. And I know for a lot of us in the room today, you know, or are watching online, whenever it comes to signs and wonders and miracles and the supernatural, some of us take a little bit of a pause because we're like, yeah, well, you know what? That's just, that doesn't make any sense to me or that's not really logical or practical. I don't really understand it. So we read things in the, in the Bible like the sea splitting in two and the people of Israel walking straight through. Or Jesus spitting in dirt, rubbing it on some dude's eyes and he can see again. Or, like the story we're going to read today, Jesus feeding 5,000 people with very limited resources. We tend to kind of be skeptical when we read verses like this. And I think it's because of this, church. I think we are slow to believe because we have the fear of being deceived. I think there's a part of us that doesn't want to get our hopes up too much. That what we're witnessing is actually and truly extraordinary. So before we dive in any deeper, have any of you in the room today or online, have any of you ever experienced something where you're looking at something with your own two eyes, you're looking at it, but you're having a hard time processing what you're seeing? Anybody ever have that experience? Okay, you're, you're looking right at it, but you're just, it's just not sinking in. For me, there's two experiences I can think of. The first one is when I uh, had the opportunity to go to Paris, France uh, for a, a, a workshop that I did for worship. And, you know, going to France, you know, Paris, you're not just going to do your job and leave. You want to see the city, right? I mean, I hope you would want to. Uh, and so we uh, went on a, a big bus tour, so we got to sit on the very, very top, and we we went around and we saw like the Eiffel Tower and that was breathtaking, but nothing could have prepared me for seeing the Notre Dame building, okay? It was amazing. It's like, man, and even the picture doesn't even do it justice, but we were, I was on the very top and we turned this corner and it was like angels started singing. <laughs> it was so beautiful. And the thing is like, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this building and I'm like, what are we looking at right now? Like, it's so beautiful, the intricate detail and the majesty of it. It was just, it, it just, it wasn't sinking in, okay? I, I, you know, I don't get out of the country very much. So to see a building that's not in America look like this, I'm just like, oh, this is incredible. Another experience I can think of is with magic tricks. I hate magic tricks, okay? <laughs> I can't stand them. Okay, so there was this magician, um, this event that we were at as a church staff. Those of you who, uh, you know, there's a Catalyst conference that we went to. Those of you who are there, you probably know what story I'm about to tell. Uh, but there was this magician at this conference we were at as a church. It was about 2 BC, two years before COVID. Hey. Yeah, you guys laughed. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was so nervous to tell that joke. I'm like, they're going to boo me out of here. Anyways, so 
Yeah, we went to this conference, and uh, there was this magician that came. And for the most part, magicians, they do the card trick. Is this your card? Yay. If your birthday's in April, this was your card. Oh, my gosh, that's crazy. So for the most part, you know, the tricks were like, you know, all right, pretty impressive, okay? But this guy got from impressive to frustrating really fast, and here's why. So his final trick was this. He took out this Rubik's Cube, okay? Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, he took out this Rubik's Cube. And, I mean, for the most part, he would, like, do three in a row that was red, and then he would undo it. And then he would do the whole thing perfectly and then undo it. And I was like, okay, is this the trick? You know, it's, it's, you know, it's impressive. It's not that impressive, but it's cool. Whatever. I'm very skeptical. But then, at the very end, I kid you not, he takes the Rubik's, Rubik's Cube, and he, I don't know if he smashes it on the table or he squeezes it, but it bursts into Skittles. It's, I know, right? Exactly. It's as dumb as it sounds. It okay, I'm telling you, it turns into Skittles all over the table. He had a table just like this, and then it gets, it gets worse. He takes one, eats one, walks off, and says, thank you, everybody. Good night. I was like, no, 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 no. Somebody needs to explain this to me right now. That's my, the way my brain works. I'm like, I need to understand this. So what I want to get into today, it's very interesting how we demand an explanation to the things that don't make sense to us. We demand an explanation. So I'm not trying to draw a parallel between, you know, magic and Jesus because Jesus doesn't do magic. He does miracles. Come on, somebody. Jesus doesn't have to do uh, magic because he's the son of God. He can do whatever he wants to do. And plus, I did look up the trick. Sorry. I did look it up, and it's not that impressive, to be honest with you. Um, I won't go into it. Yeah, I will. Okay, real quick, real quick. Okay. So real fast, so what you do is you take this uh, little cardboard box, you paint it all, uh, all black, you put a bunch of stickers on it, and at some point during the trick, and you fill it up with Skittles, at some point you swap the real one for the fake one, and then you smash it and Skittles pop out, right? Boo! Not that impressive anymore, right? <laughs> so anyways, back to Jesus. This is about Jesus. Sorry, this is about the Lord. Thank you, God. <laughs> so when Jesus performs miracles or we see something that we don't understand, we're hesitant to jump in and dive in until we can have it figured out, right? When it comes to miracles and signs and wonders, we're like, ah, I don't really understand it yet. So you know what? I'm just, I can't really dive into this because I, I, need, I need to figure it out first. I have to understand it on a practical and logical level. And church, let me tell you this, okay? This is something that I'm still going through. I've been a follower of, of Jesus and I've been in the faith for a very long time. I grew up in uh, Pentecostal charismatic environments. I've seen some pretty crazy, amazing things. I've seen people healed. I've seen angels. I've seen, uh, I've heard angels playing music and I am a skeptic. I'm skeptical when it comes to this stuff. I just want to be honest with you guys today, okay? I'm very logical. I'm left-brained, left side. I use the left side of my brain. I'm just like, ah, oh, this does not compute. So here's what I have to do, and maybe this can relate to some of you today. When it comes to the things of the Lord, because God is spirit, okay? He's not, it's not just the natural. He's supernatural. So I want to say this to you today, and this is what I have to do. Sometimes when I'm in the presence of God and I'm experiencing something amazing happening, what I do is I stop for a minute, I pause, and I say, Lord, here I am. Show me where you are. And it doesn't stop there. Then I continue to say, Lord, help me with my unbelief. There's more to the prayer. Help me with my unbelief. Help me in the moments where I don't understand or quite understand what I'm reading in the scriptures, but I know you are real. Help me with my unbelief. So maybe some of us today, when we read stuff like in the Bible of Jesus feeding the 5,000 or the, the sea splitting in two or Jesus healing a man who was paralyzed for 38 years, can we get to the place, church, where we just sit and we just say, Lord, you are God, I am not. Show me where you are and help me with my unbelief. The title of my message is this, Step into Faith, Believe in Jesus. Let's say that together. Step into Faith. Come on. 
believe in Jesus. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Let's pray. Ah, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We acknowledge you as Lord, as King of Kings. We acknowledge that your ways are higher and better than our ways. So, Father God, we just submit our will to yours right now in this moment. We make the decision to take up a posture of adoration and worship. Would you be enthroned upon this time together? Would you be enthroned upon our praises? Give us your perspective. Give us your heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's dive into the scripture today. Mark chapter 6, verses 30. This is the story. We're going to get into it of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Okay, here we go. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going and they did not have a chance to eat, he said to them, come and be, uh, uh, come and be with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves to, uh, on a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot. Um, from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed, he saw the large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Isn't God good? He's so good. So he began teaching them many, many things. By this time, it was late in the day, and the disciples came to him. Uh, they said to Jesus, this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages uh, and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages, Jesus. Are we really to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus then says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. Okay, it's a long passage, but there's a couple things to take away from this. So first things first, Jesus and his disciples were ministering. Uh, it's, it probably had been a long day at this point. Okay, and then even Jesus himself recognized that there was a need for rest. <laughs> Jesus recognized, he goes, hey, we've been at this all day. Let's, let's come away, let's get some rest. But the need of the people was so great that they followed them and more people even came out of nowhere to meet ahead of them where they were going. And before we continue this, I just had this visual. What if that happened in America? What if that happened to where we were so hungry for the word of God that we bypassed our fleshly needs and we were just so hungry for Jesus that we were willing to just go to wherever he is? So anyways, that's just a side thought that I had. But so these people ran ahead to meet Jesus where he was. Jesus looks back at all these people and he has compassion for them. And he says that he calls it, uh, they are a sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus begins to teach them. And then the disciples, you know, they're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> You're still, okay, all right, we get it. You love people, and you're awesome, okay, we love people too. But you just said a second ago that we needed to get away to rest. We're not resting. Instead, you're, you're still going. So, Jesus, go ahead, wrap up your sermon. Go ahead, you know. And plus, we're out in the middle of nowhere. There are no Chick-fil-A's or In-N-Out's anywhere. We got to get out of here, okay? We got to send these people out. It's getting dark. So, go ahead, wrap up your message. You know, people are kind of getting over this. Send up the piano player so he can play and underscore your message. Let's wrap this up. Michael, our keyboard players in the back, going like this. Um, look, let's wrap this up. And you know what Jesus says? He says, you feed them. And what's amazing is Jesus is not referring to spiritual substance like he does in John 4, 24, where he says, I am the living water. Those who drink from me will never be thirsty. He's talking about actual food. <laughs> no, feed them some food. And the disciples respond in a very practical and logical way. How is that possible? 
Jesus, we're unemployed. We've been following you around everywhere. We're broke. We don't have any money. And this would, you know how much that would cost to get all this food and, and go and travel and get it and bring it back? It doesn't make any sense, Jesus. And Jesus says, go and see what we have. I think it's, it's funny. Uh, the, the disciples resulted in their logic. They're saying, what you are asking us to do is not lining up with what we have. Okay, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> the disciples were like, what you are requiring of us to give, we currently don't have in our possession to do. And I love how, one more point before I move on, Jesus didn't do it alone. I love how he had his disciples distribute the food. Almost Jesus was just kind of like, you're going to join me and partake in this moment of the miracle that we're about to witness together. He didn't do it alone. So real quick, let me just dive into this. The disciples were worried because they didn't have much to give to accomplish what the Lord was asking of them. And I want to tell you today, God can work with what you have. God can work with what you have. Some of you are here today and you're just at wit's end. You're at the end of your rope. You're exhausted. You're tired. You're depleted. Some of you uh, couples, maybe you fought on the way here today, fought with your kids, fought with your spouse. You're like, I've got nothing to give. And I'm not just talking about financial resources. I'm talking about mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Some of you are tired and you're saying, Jesus, I have nothing to give. I'm done. I'm empty. I barely even made it here. So many things are changing in my world, I can't even keep up. I'm running on 40% right now. I got nothing. I have nothing to give. Well, I want to tell you this. If you got 40%, give God that 40%. You got 50%, give God that 50%. Because here's the beautiful thing. When you come to the end of what you can do, you come to the beginning of what God can do. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching. When you come to the end of yourself, you come to the beginning of who Jesus is. I know that's for somebody tonight. Or today, sorry, online, today as well. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Verse 42, it says, They all ate and they were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten were 5,000. So one more breakdown real quick, okay? If you read Matthew's translation of this event that took place, it says, it does mention that women and children were there too. So now think about this for a second, 5,000 men. But if we were to count the, the women and the children, this number goes from like 5,000 to what, 15 to 20,000 people that were there? There are a lot of people there. But what's amazing is that no matter how many people were actually there, the Bible says that they all ate and they were all were what? Satisfied. Have any of you ever been to a dinner party? You know, maybe not so much in, in COVID, but like a catering event, you know, and you show up and you see the food and you go, uh-oh, there are way more people here than there is food. I'm going to eat a little bit just to be polite, and then I'm going to get some in and out after. I don't know why I'm thinking about in and out right now, right? This is not what happened here. This was the biggest catering event that ever took place in the history of the world. And it says that they all ate and they were satisfied. Matter of fact, let's go a step deeper. There were leftovers. There were leftovers. I want to tell you this. If God can provide for 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people, he can provide for you. He can provide for you. One of his names is Jehovah Jireh. We were talking about this earlier before in our prayer time. So it's, it's one thing to be called something like, oh, um, Donovan is a good provider of his family or so-and-so is good at doing this. It's another thing for your characteristics to be woven into who you are. God's name is provider. It's a part of who he is. It's his disposition. It's who he is. It's his inclination towards us as his sons and daughters. It's a part of who he is. He can't fail at providing for you. Wow. 
after this event, Jesus sends them away and ahead to pray. So he tells his disciples, hey, go ahead and, and go ahead and get a head start. I'll catch up with you guys later. I'm going to go spend some time with the Father and pray. And Jesus did that a lot. I love it. So in verse, in verse 47, we're still in Mark 6, 47. It says, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake. And he, uh, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. No big deal. Just Jesus is going to go for a little stroll on the lake. You know, no big deal. He was about to pass them by. That part, I'm like, dang, Jesus, you want to just pass your disciples by like that? But when he saw them walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because, all, because they saw him and were terrified. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, wait, wait, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them. The wind died down, and they were completely amazed for the, <laughs> this part right here. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So Jesus is walking on water, and they're hung up on the bread. Come on. <laughs> Jesus had performed signs and wonders and miracles. They just fed 5,000 people. Now he's walking on water, and they're just like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I'm still confused about the bread. So, you know, you guys, that's like spiritual constipation. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to call it. It's like I refuse to accept everything else until I got this figured out. Then maybe I'll dive into this. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That part of the scripture where it says that he was going to pass them by, I wonder if it's because he knew they weren't ready to see him. Because the Bible even says, it says that they thought he was a ghost, so they were afraid. Listen, so here's the thing. A lack of faith produces a hardened heart. Did you know that? And there's no shame and condemnation. We're all on this journey together. But just I want you to, to understand this, that having a hardened heart towards the supernatural and the things of Jesus, I'm sorry, having a lack of faith can produce a hardened heart. So by default, a lot of us can be very, very cynical, okay, when it comes to the things of the Spirit. It's almost as if we have to rewire our brains a bit. And church, I'm in this, but we got some work to do. Can we be honest? We have some work to do. Stepping into faith, we have a little bit of work to do. So um, there is this amazing article that I read just for understanding how the human brain works for a lot of us. It's called The Science of the Brain, and this article is by Michael Merzenich. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. But it says, your brain is actually masterful at connecting the dots and jumping rapidly to a strong conclusion. It is one of humankind's greatest strengths. <laughs> and weaknesses. We are continuously making quick decisions, but sometimes your brain is a little bit too decisive too quickly. Your brain releases several, uh, several speci special modulatory transmitters, chemicals that change your brain in a positive way whenever you are surprised. For example, chemicals flood the brain whenever something unexpected or novel occurs in your world. The chemical release is all about turning up the lights. You ever go into a dark room and you hear a noise and you're like looking for the lights to turn on to see what it was? Well, the brain does that automatically. Okay, turning up the lights to sharpen your attention, given that something unexpected has just occurred. The chemical supports your brain's recording and remembering, check this out, for that surprising event, which then helps to assure that you won't be fooled so easily next time around. We have a natural defense towards deception. We have a hypersensitivity to potential, dece to, uh, potential deception, you know, which is why, you know, I was so eager to figure out how that guy exploded a Rubik's Cube into a bunch of Skittles. I was like, no, 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 how is, how is this working? Which is why we know that when you owe the IRS money, they are not going to call you. They're going to send you a letter in the mail. And if they do call you, it's, it's, it's not real. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into that story of my life, okay? 
And also, too, when we go to sell something on Craigslist or eBay or whatever it is, as far as the buyer and, or the seller, we want to make sure that they're legit because we don't want to be gypped. So I do have a quick story to tell you about this, okay? So about seven years ago, I had a keytar. For those of you who don't know what a keytar is, I have it on the screen. Is it up there? Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So awesome. Man, I love this thing. I loved this thing. It was about seven or six or seven years ago. Um, I loved it. I, had, I played it all the, all the time. But uh, my wife and I, we were in a place where we were struggling financially, so it had to go. I had to sell it, you know. So I got, I had it for, uh, I was going to sell it on Craigslist for about $800. I got it for $1,300, so I did take a dip. But, you know, have to provide. Um, so I put it on Craigslist for $800, and then uh, I got somebody who reached out to me and said, hey, I want to buy your guitar. And I was like, okay, cool. That's why I'm putting it up so I can sell it. So uh, he goes, I'll send you a check in two days. And I was like, okay, cool. Two days later, a check comes in the mail. It's for $1,500. I was like, oh, you know, it's from the guy. And I'm like, oh, Lord, this is, this is the Lord. This is my blessing. Some of you are like, no. I'm like, this is my blessing. This is so awesome. The Lord is providing for me. This is awesome. And then I showed my wife. And you know how, you know, <laughs> he who finds a wife finds a good thing. She, she looked at me and she said, do not cash that check. Nope, do not cash that check. She, she looked at me with like fire in her eyes. Do not. It was almost like, if you do this, I will leave you. I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. But she was like, do not cash it. And I was like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Like, this is my blessing. This is from the Lord. And so just to be safe, I went ahead and I, I texted the guy. I said, hey, you know, so I posted the guitar for 800 You gave me 1500 You know, it's about 700 you know, over. And he says, okay, well, oh, my bad, my bad. Go ahead and, and send me 700 in cash and go ahead and send the guitar. And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, I know, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I know, at that moment, it's like, uh, dude, like seriously, hey, I was like 22, 23 years old. I was young. Okay, anyways. No offense to the 22 and 23 year olds in the room right now. I'm sorry. But anyway, so um, I, I, you know, I, I was kind of frustrated. I was like, ah, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But, you know, I'll go to the bank and I'll check. So I went to the bank. I went to Chase Bank. I brought the check in. And I just said, hey, can you verify for me that this is, like, legit or fake, whatever? She goes, sure. She scans it. She goes, sir, this is a fake check. I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you for my wife. Thank you, Jesus. And I have to say, I did not have one of my most proudest Christian moments. I did text the guy. I said, nice try, you scumbag. And that was it. So not one of my most proudest Christian moments. I was so frustrated. Okay. So anyways, <laughs> thank you for listening to that story. So let me say this. It's okay to use discernment. It's okay to use wisdom. It's okay. The Bible actually says count the cost. It's okay to be careful and use wisdom of the Lord to help us navigate through difficult decisions. But here's what I want to say today. Our hearts can become hardened if we turn too much of our desire for practicality, our desire for things to make sense, and our logic towards the things of the supernatural. Do you hear me today? We have to be careful not to apply too much of like, okay, well, you know, make sure. Because, you know, when it comes to deception, we're always looking for, like, we got to be careful. There's no deception with God. There's no deception with God. There's no deception with the things of his spirit. He is exactly who he says that he is. So those of you who are here today and watching online and you would say, you know what? I have to be honest with you. I, I do struggle. I do struggle with, with you know, the, with the supernatural and, and Jesus and the healings. I do struggle with that sometimes. What do I do? How do I overcome this? I have a couple steps that I feel like the Lord spoke to me. I want to share them with you. So step number one is this. Remember who he is. John chapter 4 verse 24 says this. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in logic and practicality. It doesn't say that, does it? 
For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in your preference and your understanding. Doesn't say that either, does it? What does it say? Spirit and in truth. And I know I mentioned this back in February. But when you translate, first of all, spirit is the likeness of God, and truth can be translated in the Greek to aletheia, which means reality. So if we were to translate that, it's we are to worship God in his likeness and his reality. The reality of God. We have to remember who he is. Number two, step two, deny yourself. Yay! We love denying ourselves. We love submitting and just putting our flesh to the side. We love doing that, don't we? Yeah, no, okay, yeah. It's a hard one for us. It's difficult for us to deny ourselves, but the Bible is so full and filled with scriptures that say what? He says in Mark, if you love me and you wish to follow me, you will what? Deny yourself. Colossians chapter 3 says, pick up your cross and carry it daily. There's a dying to self that needs to happen. We have to learn how to push aside our flesh. we got to do it, church. To step into faith, to step into who he is, we have to learn to deny ourselves. You guys with me today? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 says, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them to be foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Sometimes the things of the supernatural do not make any sense because they can only be interpreted and understood through the Spirit, which is God. Amen? Step three, remember his goodness. We got to remember his goodness. Psalm 143 verse 5 says, I remember the days long ago. I meditate on your works and consider what your hands have done. We have to remember the good things in life. We have to be able to remember, man, that time where we were in a, a tough situation and God got us through. Man, thank you, Jesus. You know, one of the prerequisites that God says for coming into his presence is Thanksgiving. Did you know that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for, for coming through for us. Thank you for coming through for my family. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for meeting me in my time of need. Thanksgiving and remembering the goodness of God. Step four, call out his goodness, church. Proclaim his goodness. I know a lot of us here are like, well, you know, I'm just not, you know, charismatic. I'm just kind of, I'm telling you, okay, there's something that changes in the atmosphere you are in when you begin to release audibly the goodness of God and begin to proclaim his goodness in your life. It will change your atmosphere. I'm telling you, just to take a second, just to shout out in your household, wherever you live, proclaiming it over your kids. I, God, you are king of my heart. You are king of my finances. You are king of everything about who I am. Something happens, church, when we begin to step out of complacency and step out of being reserved and begin to shout out and proclaim the goodness of God. I love the verse that goes with this. It's uh, Psalm 145. It says, I will proclaim your greatness, my God and my King. I will thank you forever and ever. Every day I will thank you. I will praise you for forever and ever. We are to remember what God has done. I love how uh, there's, uh, this is actually in the book of Matthew, but uh, the disciples get to a place. First of all, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Jesus actually fed the multitudes twice. Did you, did you know that? 5,000 and 4,000. So I love this. There's this uh, moment where Jesus is with his disciples, and they, they went away. <laughs> and they're sitting together, and the disciples start complaining that they don't have any bread. They start complaining that they don't have bread to eat after they just 
well, not they, but <laughs> through the power of Jesus, they fed 5,000 and 4,000. They sit together and they're complaining that they, that they don't have any bread, okay? And I love how Jesus graciously, but still kind of aggressively rebukes them in this moment. You know how in church we always say, like, repeat after me, you know, and then we say something, then you say something back and forth. Jesus kind of does this with them, and it's really funny. It kind of reminds me of, like, uh, my children. If you're five minutes late in feeding my children in the morning, they act like you're never going to feed them again. It's really interesting. You know, five minutes late. It's like 7.05. Breakfast is normally at 7. They come down. They're just like rolling on the floor. Oh, we're starving. I'm like, I will feed you. I always have. I promise. But Jesus has this kind of dad moment with, with the disciples. It's really funny. Uh, and the, um, so pretty much Jesus looks at them and goes, are you seriously complaining that you don't have bread to eat? Did you not, were you not there a second ago where we just fed thousands of people? Were you not there? Do you have ears but cannot hear? Do you have eyes but cannot see? And I love what he says. That he goes, oh, when, we, when we had to feed 5,000 people, how many? he doesn't even point out that he fed them, but he goes, how many baskets full did we collect after the first time? And the disciples go, what? Twelve. <laughs> the second time with the 4,000, how many baskets did we pick up? Seven. He has this dad moment with them. Like, how are you not remembering what just took place? You were a part of the miracle. Matter of fact, I activated you in that moment to partake in the miracle with me, and we're still complaining about the bread. What is it about the bread that confused the disciples? Man. And my question for you is, has God ever given you a reason today not to trust him? I know we sing that song, King of My Heart. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Some of us put a question mark at the end of that. Do we really believe that he's never going to let us down? Well, things aren't going my way right now. The Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways. Jeremiah 20 and 11 says that I know the plans that I have for you. And sometimes what happens is our plans don't match up with God's plans and it creates tension. And what's amazing is he invites you, he gives you an invitation to wrestle with him. And he's always going to win. <laughs> he's always going to win. But that invitation of grace and love is there. But maybe some of us in this room, we have that problem saying, well, I've been let down. Maybe we need to shift our perspective a bit to see life from his perspective. Well, you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. Well, the Bible says that he is our redeemer. He, is, uh, he sanctifies us. He redeems us. We have become the righteousness of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He has redemptive power, and he has the ability to transform every single one of us. Romans 12, 11 says, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's that invitation for him to step into the presence of God and be made whole, be made new in his image. So has God ever given any, uh, any of us a reason not to trust him? Michael, can you go ahead and come on up? Has God ever given us a reason not to trust him? I want us to repeat this together. I want us to say, I will step into faith I believe in Jesus Christ. Let's say it one more time. I will step into faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. I just want to share with you guys real quick. Oh, yeah. Our production director told me to put it right here. I put it right there. Okay. So when it comes to putting our trust in, in Jesus, so first of all, when you guys walked in here today, did you have any uh, second guessing sitting down in the chair you're in right now? Nope. 
You know what we don't do when it comes to sitting down in chairs? We don't come to a chair and go, okay, let's take a look. What do we got here? You know, is this going to hold, you know, hold my weight? Okay. Are the bolts in place? Okay. Who's the manufacturer of this chair? I'm going to give him a call, make sure that uh, he spent at least 10 hours or working on this chair. Do we do that? That sounds dumb, doesn't it? We don't do stuff like that. Okay. And what I want to share with you today is putting our trust in God. Sometimes we treat God kind of like that, don't we? So we know who God is. We know his promises. We believe in him. We come to church every week. We hear the sermon. We worship the Lord. When it comes to jumping in to his presence, jumping into trust in him, sometimes our faith kind of looks like this. Okay, God, I trust you. Uh, All right, I, I trust you. Yep, yep, I'm trusting in the Lord. Something bad happens. Oh, yep, see? Something bad just happened in my life. I lost my business. My marriage is going down. Oh, okay, see, that's why I can only depend on myself. And then we go to church, and the pastor says, trust in the Lord. We go, okay, let me try this again. All right, I'm going to trust in the Lord. Okay, no, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it yet. I just, I'm not there yet. We go one more time. We begin to worship, and even God speaks to us in his word and says, trust me, trust me trust me. And we go, okay, let's do this one more time. We go, all right, God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to give you everything that I have. I know what your word says. I'm going to trust in you. How comfortable do I look right now? What we need to do is this. It feels so much better. It feels so much better. Just a, I, just, I felt it in the room just now, just this big sigh of relief. Trusting in the Lord, it brings relief. (laughs) Bible says, come to me all who are weary, I will give you what? Rest. What does it look like in your life to just trust in the Lord? Bible actually says in Proverbs 3, 5, it says what? Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. One translation says, and uh, to disregard even your opinions. (laughs) What does it look like in your life to put all of your trust in Jesus Christ? What does that look like for you today? I want everybody just to go ahead and bow their heads and close their eyes. So I think the reason why, when it, I mean, just for an example, the reason why we are so bent on figuring out magic tricks is because they involve deception. They're tricks. There are elements of deception that are used to make you believe that what you're seeing is real. But there are no tricks with God. There's no deception with God. And I want to tell you this today. A lot of us, you know, before we can really say we trust in God, we want to try to figure him out. And I want to tell you this. You cannot fit God into your box of understanding. It's impossible. It's just not going to work. We like to try to figure people out. And no, I'm not trying to bash the Enneagram or anything like that. But a lot of us are like, oh, you're a one. This is who you are. This is, okay, you're a perfectionist. You're this. And then sometimes we try to do that with God. Okay, well, God, this is, you know, all right, this is this, and here's my box, and I'm going to put you in it. We can't put God in a box. It doesn't work that way. He is who he is. And we are his sons and his daughters. So what does it mean, church, to put your faith and your trust in the creator, in our father, So what I want to ask today and just in in this moment right now, because of who he is and his nature, 
I don't know if you know this, but God has always has a handout with an invitation to know him on a deeper level every time. I know sometimes we come into church and we think like, oh, okay, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't get much anything out of it, whatever. But God is always standing with his hand out like, hey, step into me, who I am. Step into who I am. Trust me. I'm here. Did you know that every, not even just on the weekends in church, but at your home, wherever you are, watching online, wherever you are right now, God's always providing an invitation to know him on a deeper level. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one's looking. This is a safe place, okay? No one's going to criticize you or make fun of you. And, you know, I, I might even raise my hand on a couple of these too. But we can be real here. We can come to church. We can keep it holy. We can keep it real, okay? But if you're here today and you just say, you know what? I do struggle with putting my trust in the Lord. This season has proven itself to be more than I could bear. There are things happening in this season that I didn't anticipate for, and my trust is, my, my faith is lacking. And first of all, I don't want you to feel guilty or ashamed at all. No shame, no shame. Matter of fact, if there's any sh shame, guilt, and condemnation, it, it was diminished by the power of the cross, so that's gone. And right now, in the name of Jesus, no shame, no guilt, no condemnation. It be gone right now in the name of Jesus. So now in this space, if you wanna say here today, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus wholeheartedly. Again, every eye is closed, every head is bowed. Can you raise your hand? You say, thank you. Yep, I see your hand. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to give it a couple more seconds. If you say, hey, I want to put my faith, all of it, I want to be able to completely lean on who God is with no reservations. I want to believe wholeheartedly that everything that he said would happen will come to pass. And the work that he started in me, he is good enough to complete in the name of Jesus. If you want to say tonight or today, I want to put all of my trust and faith and hope in Jesus Christ. One more time. Can you raise your hand? Yep, I see your hand. I see your hand. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes, God. You are healing every heart. Hallelujah. You are breaking every chain. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It is well with our soul. Thank you, God. I'm just going to pray for you real quick. Father God, we just come before you, and I lift up my brothers and sisters here today, even online as well. I lift up my brothers and sisters today, and we step into faith. We are going to make the decision right now to trust in you. Our hope and our trust is in who you are. You are everything that you say that you are. We don't put our hope and our faith in, a, in anything other than Christ and Christ alone. Even that song, in Christ alone, my hope is found. We put our hope and our faith and our trust in you, Jesus. And God, we just ask and we pray, would you help us with our unbelief? Help us with our unbelief. Call us to deeper levels of who you are, Jesus. We're ready to surrender. We're acknowledging that we're coming to the end of ourselves, and you're going to meet us exactly where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> That's your promise to us. You're going to meet us exactly where we are at. So we yield to you, Jesus. If you're here, to, if you're here today and you want to say, um, I want to give my life to Jesus, I haven't done that. First of all, I want to let you know that the, re the reason why we're able to be here in his presence is because of his son, of, of God's son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. That is the message of the gospel. We gather around the word of God and the good news of the building of the kingdom of God that we could never be good enough. Sin was great, but his love was greater. 
and in a passionate display of love and affection, the ground shook, the veil was torn, and his love poured out through his son on the cross. And those that receive him may have everlasting life. So maybe that step of faith looks like stepping into relationship with Jesus today. So if you're here today and you say, you know what? I've been coming to church. I know of God, but I want to know God. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, can you raise your hand? Again, every eye is closed. Every head is bowed. This is a safe place. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Anybody want to give their life to Jesus? I'll wait a couple more seconds. This is very important. We're not rushing this moment. He's the God of miracles. We believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Just a couple more seconds. Anybody want to give their life to Jesus today? Oh, is there a hand in the back? Yes. I'll wait just a couple more seconds. Thank you, Jesus. We believe in you. We believe in you. Hallelujah. We believe in you, Jesus. This is a beautiful moment, church. And the Holy Spirit begins to nudge. And I think sometimes what we do, we have a tendency to kind of rush through this moment. But I don't, I don't think that's appropriate right now. I think what we need to do is maybe just for a couple of seconds longer, just sit in his presence. He's doing something. He's speaking on behalf of himself right now. Thank you, Father. Pour out your spirit. More, Lord. More. More, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Would you remove the scales from our eyes? Would you wake us up? Wake up our hearts. Bring the dry deserts and burst forth the springs of living water. Hallelujah. Yes. Pour out your spirit upon us right now. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Revive that which once was dead and dried out and, and lacking, God. Would you be our substance tonight? Be our substance in our life today, Jesus. Everything that we can ever hope for is found in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So if you raise your hand today, I want to pray this prayer. And then all, I would love for all of us as a church body to be in full support of the people who raise their hands and those who did not raise their hand. There's no shame here today. Um, but I want us to all repeat this prayer together. Can we just say, dear Jesus, I acknowledge you as my king. I accept the invitation to deeper levels of a revelation of who you are. Thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you for your blood that was spilt. Thank you for your body that was broken. I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a savior and his name is Jesus Christ. I love you, Lord, and I give you my heart. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, come on church, amen. Can we just give it up? Come on, yes.